Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It's been a long time. I'm Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, the draft is over. We're out of hibernation. How does it feel to be back? I'm not sure I'm out of hibernation. I don't know what world you're living in. (laughs) I like that. I like hearing that. Uh, Making sure to be nice and honest on our first editor's show back. (laughs) That's a good thing. On this show today, we'll be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs offseason. We'll hit some news. We will talk about the five initial Chiefs questions we have entering the 2021 season. And then we have the schedule release coming up on Wednesday around 7 p.m. Arrowhead time. So we'll do a schedule release preview as to what we were expecting. Nothing says the offseason like a schedule release preview. We're previewing... the date that they're going to tell us more dates. So that is the off season in a nutshell. All right, let's get into the latest news of your Kansas city chiefs. And this is actually the story that got the most traction on Arrowhead pride on Monday. So I figured I'd lead off it. It was a surprise that it got the most traction. Sometimes I'm still surprised in my third year here as the editor in chief of arrowheadpride.com, but the chiefs players are reportedly, according to Josina Anderson, wooing wide receiver D.D. Westbrook to Kansas City. John, you were the one who wrote this story up for us. So uh, what did you make of this? Well, he'd be jumping from one frying pan into another, not from the frying pan into the fire, but from one frying pan into the other. His main problem, I mean, he's a talented receiver, but he's always been in a crowded receiver room, and he'd be doing that with the Chiefs as well. Uh, and he's not also the kind of player you'd expect the Chiefs to be trying to find, um, at least the the front office. Now, the players may feel differently, of course. They're the ones who are, are pushing this at this point. But he's not really the physical uh, type of receiver that could replace Sammy Watkins in the roster. However, um, you know, even in a crowded room, he was able to get some production during his years with the Jaguars. So maybe the players know something that we don't. Yeah, I think with this particular report from Josina Anderson, you got to ask where it's coming from. So Josina Anderson usually either talks to players directly or she's involved with the agents. And if you read the tweet over the weekend, some Chiefs players reached out to free agent wide receiver D.D. Westbrook to engage his interest in coming to Kansas City. Meanwhile, both the Vikings and Bengals have had preliminary conversations with Westbrook as well. Uh, Westbrook was a 2006 Blinkoff winner. And so that's it. And so to me, that's coming from 
Westbrook side, let's drum up interest in as many teams as possible, especially rivals in the AFC of the Chiefs and the Bengals and in the NFC of the Vikings. And let's see if we can get more teams involved. And again, I think you look at the connections to Westbrook, it's possible, as you mentioned in your article, John, ties with Oklahoma, mm-hmm. yeah. Oklahoma players on the roster, as you mentioned, Blake Bell, James Winchester, the trusty long snapper, and Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown Jr., all members of the Chiefs. I don't know how much new players are doing as far as recruitment, so is it just Winchester that's pushing for this? Because he's got some seniority. (laughs) Well, you know, teams, players tend to stay in touch with their former college teams and follow them. And, of course, any Big 12 player uh, who played, you know, during the years that Westbrook was playing at Oklahoma would be familiar with. And the man was you know, uh, the offensive player of the year right. in his best season there. Uh, and so uh, it's not like uh, other Big 12 players weren't aware of him. So those were just the obvious connections to the guys who went to Oklahoma. To Westbrook, I think I just would say, I guess you never know. I mean, you're looking at his receiving yards in 18, 717, 2019, 660, had the ACL in 2020. I look at what the Chiefs were looking for in the offseason as far as a fit and replacing Sammy Watkins, and it was the six-foot receiver, which Didi meets, and over 200 pounds, which he is one of these lighter receivers, kind of reminds right. you of Devontae um, Smith that, that just was drafted in, in the NFL draft. And I don't think it's an exact fit, looking at some of his snaps. Sammy Watkins, as the ex-receiver for the Chiefs, lined up almost equally last year in the slot and on the outside, whereas this seems like more of a slot guy. Just seems like a gadget player and, and not n- nothing nothing against uh, gadget players, but I, I think the Chiefs are already dealing with that problem. Nicole Hardman, they just drafted Cornell Powell uh, again to get more competition in that replacement Sammy Watkins role. So I'm going to say you never know, but mm-hmm. yeah. this does not seem this does not seem likely. I, I'll I'll end it. Uh, right there. But we'll see. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com. Other news in the NFL. Tamba Ali with a one-day contract. Let's go to the contract signing. Here it is. <laughs> How you He's ready to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sign you all right. You going to sign it? Look at He's jumping all over All right, there we go, man. Congrats. Huh? It's official. You're officially retired. You're old. Right? <laughs> that Andy Reid at the contract signing. You could hear the cameras going off. Looked like Tamba had some of his children at the event and talking about some of the kids that might want to sign the contract instead. And then Big Red telling Tamba Ali, you're retired. You're old. It is official. John, when you heard about the Tamba Ali one-day contract, what came to mind? Well, just that uh, for a lot of years that the team was not very good. He was he was the main star of the team, certainly on the defense. Um, he was a guy who was consistent year in and year out uh, through all the years that he played with the Chiefs. The last four of them, of course, with Andy Reid. Would that be right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2017. And those were the only years in there that the Chiefs are really that good of a team. And he continued to play – um, a top game. Um, he was effective and he worked hard. Um, he was, he was a real, uh, star to chiefs fans and he deserves all the accolades he can get at this point. I agree with all of that. 
I'll be honest here. This is me being really honest. When I first heard about this, I had to double take and look up if he ever played for a different team. <laughs> These one day contracts, in all honesty, right, are right. usually save for when players have that final team that they went to. Jamal Charles and the Broncos slash Jaguars comes to mind. Uh, Derek Johnson and mm-hmm. ugh, the yeah. Oakland Raiders comes to mind. This didn't seem like a fit, but I guess Tamba Ali had never officially retired. And so you understand why he was given this treatment. I want to read some of the quote replies or the tweet replies to, we put it out there to some fans and Rick Burkholder of the Chiefs actually responded to Arrowhead Pride. He is the vice president of sports and medicine, how relentless he was. And that was common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dylan Edelin, another person who tweeted at us how he was held on every play. Again, I think that goes back to some of the relentlessness of Tamba Ali. Uh, here's here's one, John, I think that fits to your point from Eric Tolan. Props to him sticking around while also on some of the worst Chiefs teams in recent yeah. history. His career, along with greats like DJ Charles, were wasted because of bad. He said something else, and I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Bad quarterback play. Thanks to Castle and all the crap in between him and Trent Green. And so, yeah, he was one of those players. And really, there were a couple of those guys that never got to experience this glory that has come to the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and even before Mahomes to that consistent playoff play of Alex Smith. I remember Tomba because as a media guy, he was always honest in the press conferences. The Chiefs were not winning as much back in the day when I first started covering the Chiefs. They would lose games under Alex Smith and sometimes lose bad games. You could always go to Tomba for a fair quote and he would always be honest. I think as a media member, you have to love that. I respect his mentorship. You have seen that clip floating around of the game where they play the Chargers, and I'm not even sure how the game ended up, but about an hour after the game, there's Tamba Ali and Joey Bosa still in uniform, and Tamba Ali is taking one of the younger players of the league, one of the better young pass rushers, and going through some of his hand-fighting technique, which was especially of, of him. He learned, I think, some advanced hand-fighting by taking karate. He would always be doing karate as an extra workout at training camp. Tyreek Hill actually mentioned that in a tweet yesterday. And then again, going back to that media honesty, the rant he went on this summer because it just occurred to him that he didn't like that he didn't get to play enough for that one season. Just everything about him to me equated to passion, which when you're a fan, when you're a reporter, that's what's fun. It's fun to report on guys that are passionate about the game and that truly want to win because I think they're are certainly players in the league who money is the biggest driving factor. And I think that's a factor for everybody. I I don't necessarily blame that, but I think it's nice to also have that passion part to it. And, and Tom Ali certainly exuded that to me. And he had a great story too, you know, uh, born in Liberia comes here at the age of 10. War-torn Liberia, really. Yeah, like, yeah. In a, in a sense, it's, ama- it's amazing that he was able to survive that whole experience. Sure. Yeah. Went to his Penn father State. Brought him, yep. Yeah. Father brought him here, grew up in New Jersey, uh, decided to play football because he thought he could be good enough at it that he could make enough money to bring the rest of his family to the United States. I mean, you know, that's a great story. And it says a lot about the kind of country we are and uh, the, the the kind of system we have here that he could find a way to uh, become a great player in the NFL and do all of those things. It, you know, just a top 
top flight player and guy. You just have to love him. On to our next story from Forbes. The Chiefs are the world's 43rd most valuable sports team, 23rd in the NFL. If we go through it quickly, I'll reveal the NFL teams that are more valuable than them. The Cowboys, the Patriots, the Giants, the Rams, 49ers, Jets, Bears, WFT, Eagles, Texans, Broncos, Raiders, Seahawks, Packers, Steelers, Ravens, Vikings, Dolphins, Falcons, Colts, Chargers, Panthers, and then Chiefs who are in a tie, uh, among other sports teams. And the reason I rattled all those NFL teams off is because 23rd, so that's 23 teams, NFL in the top 43, including the Kansas City Chiefs, just I think another reminder, because that's more than half of that top 43, NFL is king. And you think about the Chiefs, they have the number one player, arguably, if we want to be fair here. I know this is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And they are, I still think 23 is is a little bit low, given that they have Patrick Mahomes. I think that only stands to grow, given the Mahomes brand and everything they bring to the Chiefs. But to me, man, that's just a, another example of the NFL being king of America when it comes to, to sports teams. And the world as well. Um, you know, having uh, having the a team that isn't all that valuable by NFL standards being a, in the top 50 worldwide is is pretty impressive. You know, the, the, the common conception of this kind of a list is that uh, Kansas City is a small market, which it is. And so the team isn't going to have as much value as some of these coastal cities. And some of that is borne out by the list. You've got the Dallas Cowboys up there. You've got the Patriots up there. Those are, you know, big urban areas. But I also think that both of those franchises had success over very long periods of time and built fan bases on that, on that, uh, that success. And the Chiefs have just started doing that. Um, as you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, after a decade with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, I think the Chiefs will be worth quite a bit more money than they are now, despite the fact that they come from a small Midwestern market. Yeah, I think a lot of people, now you're assuming a little bit here, but let's go from the first couple of years here. A lot of people became Bolts fans when they were kids because of Michael Jordan and what he was able to do. And it didn't matter if you lived in Chicago or not. I think same thing with Joe Montana and more so the 49ers than that tail end when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I think you might have that effect as we go along here and it'll make the Chiefs even more valuable. I, I think they're well aware that Patrick Mahomes offers that global fan base potential and every year, and every year that Mahomes plays at this spectacularly high level, I think you're going to see more and more of that, and they should rise on that list. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top 20 teams in the NFL this time next year, even the year after. Right. I think that's right. Nowhere to go but up. A couple minor transactions came through on Monday, and the Chiefs, they have a new C.J. Spiller. And it is <laughs> quarterback Jordan Ta'amu, who they waived. I think it's been about three or four times he's been up and down from the practice squad on the team, off the roster uh, now. And I, I tend to think this is maybe the last time because Andy Reid likes to keep four 
quarterbacks on the roster and rookie minicamp is this weekend. It begins on Friday. You have Mahomes, you have Henny, you have Anthony Gordon and Shane Buscelli now. And so undrafted free agent reportedly, uh, again, not official, but those are probably the four quarterbacks that are going into what will be the beginning of the offseason program. If the offseason program does begin, so many questions, so many ifs right now of the NFL. It seems like the Chiefs will go on with their offseason, unlike other teams, because of the fact of the bonuses that some of these players will get. Right. It seems like everybody, and I'm, I'm talking in, in ifs here, is doing their rookie program, and we'll see about the rest of it, OTAs, or trying to do a rookie program. It's a little confusing right now as to who's doing what, but as far as we know, the Chiefs are beginning their rookie program on, on Friday, uh, to Amu wouldn't have been a part of that anyway. Now as a veteran, sometimes they do bring back veterans who are on the fringe. But uh, either way, not not a member of the roster won't be won't be involved. It, it's tough because I thought Taamu had a chance to be what would be like a backup quarterback of the future. To me, was always more of a, a match in style and play than a Chad Henney would be, than a Matt Moore, for example, would be to getting closer to Patrick Mahomes, but. The Chiefs are, are staying with their veteran. Chad Henney had a huge effort last year and managing to make sure the Chiefs wrapped up that divisional round game against the Cleveland Browns. And they're, they're trying to see if they can get a, a, something else that sticks here, I, I think, in these two other younger players. Well, they've reportedly spent quite a bit of money uh, by undrafted free agent standards uh, to get this uh, young Buscelli player. Um, they guaranteed him a lot of money, gave him a signing bonus, uh, in order to wrestle him away from other teams that wanted to have him. And, uh, you know, they kind of did that with Ta'amu to begin with, but they're just going to keep churning things until they find a guy that can can stick with them and and be a guy that could develop into a backup for Mahomes. Um, so I, I agree. I think this might be it for Ta'amu in Kansas City, but, you know, you just never know about these things. Yeah, any undrafted free agent is uh, is a lottery ticket anyway. So it, it, it's probably a little premature to say Tamu is done. And he's at least played in a professional league um, and started in a professional league before, I, which is more than you can say for this kid. I did just call him CJ Spiller. So yeah. we know how that story goes. You never right. know if Tom is going to turn up once training camp begins. Right. We think in St. Joe, again, another if that is going yeah. along with the offseason. The other two releases, lesser known names, I think Sean Colkin, the tight end. He was really more famous for the fact that he was going to get paid in Bitcoin than anything he's ever <laughs> done on the field and won't be receiving his Bitcoin from the Chiefs. That to me was obvious. You have Nick Kaiser, uh, Blake Bell is in the mix, Evan Bayless, uh, and you just drafted Noah Gray. And so right. I, look, as, as much as you might like the kid, he was not going to make uh, the team. And then uh, Brian Witzman started a couple of years ago for the Chiefs when they were really thin. You talk about being thin at offensive line. When Brian Witzman right. was starting, that, that's when the line was especially thin. Again, not a threat at all to make this now revamped offensive line room of the Kansas City Chiefs. So they let him go on his merry way. Maybe can serve as practice squad depth for uh, another team. Well, both of these releases, I think, say something about what the Chiefs' strategy was going into this offseason, which was to get enough players that could actually play if they couldn't find replacements for them 
um, and Culkin and Witzman are certainly in that category. I was actually kind of surprised they uh, signed Witzman to a reserve futures contract. He just looked to me like a guy they wanted to have on the practice squad that they could elevate in an emergency at the end of last season. And then they give him a reserve futures contract for a player who's, you know, been out of the league for a couple of years. Um, and it's like, well, that's kind of surprising. But now that they have drafted some players and uh, acquired some players and from various places, uh, neither Calkin or Witzman are needed anymore. So let's just let them go. And, yeah. uh, and so I think that says a lot about what their offseason plan was, was to get people in here but be ready to let them go if you get the people you're looking for. Yeah, the Chiefs seem like they want to keep it age 29 and below, so to speak. Witzman is 30, not to say that offensive linemen can't have success. That's one of those positions that still seems you're able to have success after the age of 30. But I think with this new room that the Chiefs have developed as far as offensive linemen, I mean, you're looking at 10, 11, 12 lineman deep. I mean, it was never going to work out for Witzman to even be, I think, one of those fringe practice squad type of guys. I know that I'm sure the Chiefs are going to be trying to keep some of these players on their practice squad just in case they do have that string of injuries as they did last year. So They have uh, 15 offensive linemen right now. Yeah, there you go. It's crazy. Too big of a room to have uh, Witzman aboard. So, again, Jordan Ta'amu is waived. Sean Culkin and Brian Witzman released. That's your Chiefs news. When we come back, we will talk about the five initial Chiefs questions entering 2021. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. John, the biggest news that we didn't get to is the return of Benifer, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, 17 years after breaking up, are now apparently rekindling what is old is new again. Any reaction to that before we get into the Chiefs' initial questions? No. No, no, no reaction. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I... I you're I was shocked about by that. I paid no attention to what's Jennifer is back. I you <laughs> thought it was over. Uh, you never know what can be rekindled, even even two decades later. So keep that in mind. If if Joe okay. Montana maybe is looking for a return to the Kansas City Chiefs, all right. Let's get into these five initial questions. Uh, John, I, it looks like I broke news to John a second ago. Uh, will the Chiefs? <laughs> this was your question, John. Will the Chiefs significantly use Chris Jones on the outside? You posed this question, so I'll let you go first here. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of discussion about the possibility uh, because the Chiefs didn't 
draft a defensive end early uh, in the 2021 draft that they're going to use Chris Jones on the outside. Now, they have used Chris Jones on the outside occasionally all along because Steve Spagnolo likes to trip people up and put people in different places and try and uh, make the offensive lines not understand what's about to happen. So it's not like this was something that re- that uh, is unknown in the Chiefs' offense, but I think a lot of people are thinking that they're going to use Jones on the outside quite a bit, and I'm not so sure that's true. To me, the signing of Jaron Reed as an interior defender indicates that the Chiefs are doing the same thing on the defensive line that they did on the offensive line, which is build from the center out. Right. And I, I think they would have loved to get, uh, if the board had fallen that way, they would have loved to have gotten uh, a defensive end that could play opposite Frank Clark on the defensive line. But it didn't play out that way. And so they're just going to be happy they've got two guys who can provide interior pressure and pass rush with Jones and Reed. And they'll move them around once in a while because that's what they do. But I just don't really see Chris Jones being a guy that's often being used as a defensive end in Spagnolo's defense. I just don't see it. Yeah, this is interesting to me. And I think you made some good points about building from the inside out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Jaron Reed is a above average player. That yeah. is an under talked about move, I think, for the Chiefs this year. Mm-hmm. And then you have Derek Nottie, who is returning. Yeah. There are some guys on the outside with upside that could play opposite Frank Clark and in, in, in Kane Doe, who's the rookie. But then you also have Taco Charlton, Mike Dana, Tim Ward is another possibility. Really like the way Charlton looked before he was injured last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure about Jones on the outside. The Chiefs already leaned into it a little bit and said this will allow him to go on the outside more. Chris Jones at times, it sounds like he just wants to be a defensive end. And so he will welcome any down where he can get kicked out. But where I think this helps the Chiefs pass rush is in the sense that I think they're going to be very much better against the run on early downs Mm -hmm. next year, especially when you think about Jones and Reed and Naughty and Colin Saunders even now it hasn't looked probably as they thought he would for being a third round pick, but he should be in that mix too. And I, I'm just thinking, okay, if the Chiefs can get better against the run, they might feel like, all right, we'll be in more third and mediums, third and longs, because now we're not getting gashed on first and second down. Philip Lindsay, I don't know why he comes to mind, but he he's a player where, wow, oh my God, first down, right. already four yards, five yards, where they, they'll be better on first and second down. And then you're getting these third and longs, which, I mean, it's going to help the pass rush no matter who's out there. So. Right. It was funny. I remember talking to Frank Clark last year at a certain point, and I think I was asking him about pass rush strategy. And he just kind of, in a sense, cut me off. This was on Zoom, which is hard hard enough to interview. But he cut me off and he, he said, well, we're focusing on stopping the run. And these moves feel like that. Let's stop the run. Pass rush is going to be better across the board because you're getting the pass rush downs. Teams are going to have to throw on third and nine, third and 11, third and 12, whatever it is. And so I think that's the case. And and yeah, I, uh, if you're going to have uh, third downs where it's it's longer, put Jones on the outside. Let him go. At, I mean, he, that's what he wants sacks anyway, right? right? He loves sacks. Yep. So, right. Sack Nation. 
That's right. Yeah. Well, I I think that I think that we've gotten because Andy mentioned it. You know, it came up in a press conference and he said something about it, and people have run with that. Oh, well, Chris Jones is moving outside. No, he's going to occasionally move outside, just like he always does. Right. But I think what the Chiefs are going to do is try and get more pressure on the interior, as you say, uh, be better against the run, which will open more opportunities for both Frank Clark and whoever is playing defensive end, whether it's Jones on occasion or if it's a guy uh, like Tim Ward or Taco Charlton. They're all going to have better opportunities when they're playing more at third and long versus, you know, third and four. All right, moving to the offensive side of the football, our next question. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think maybe consensus is that they're going to have the most production on this team when it comes to yards from scrimmage. Who has the next most production on the Chiefs? And this is, to me, the golden question mm-hmm. of the offense. So, Kelsey and Hill, you expect around 1,000 yards. Same for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had 1,100 yards from scrimmage his first year. You combine receiving and rushing for him. He should have over 1,000. Who's next? Because Sammy Watkins is no longer on the team. Is it Daryl Williams? Is it McKinnon, who was just added in the running back room? Is it one of these receivers? And McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle. John, I'll, I'll turn to you. Even Cornell Powell. You want to go take a wild card? How about Cornell Powell could be the next yeah. guy in line? Who do you think has the, the next most production? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd have to go with Byron Pringle. I agree. I he's, agree. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy on the team who best fits what they need to replace Sammy Watkins. I think so, and, too. And I, yeah. I think Cornell Powell might be your 2022 answer, but mm. they're going to give Byron Pringle an opportunity. I've been asked about Pringle a, n- a number of times on on the radio and and even on some of the 41 hits, which are really small. Like, how do you believe in Byron Pringle? Well, every time the Chiefs have asked him to step up, when he gets targets, he catches the football. I don't think you could uh-huh. say the same about Demarcus Robinson, especially early on in the Super Bowl when I think if McCole Hardman had been on the same page as Patrick Mahomes, I'm not saying the entire night is different, but I think that beginning of the game has a different feel. It just seemed like from yeah. wire to wire, the Bucks were dominant. And I can't believe that the Chiefs would like watching that again and McCole Hardman have miscommunications with Patrick Mahomes. If it's between Hardman and Mahomes, I'm sorry, McCole, but I, I think you're probably the one that's a little off cue here. And so I think Byron Pringle now... Uh, he's been with the Chiefs a couple of years, risen to the occasion, had that touchdown last year in Denver on the kick return. I think the Chiefs like him as a, a kick returner. I think this is a now or never type of year for Byron Pringle. I think Demarcus Robinson is ripe for his job to be taken away. I think he fits the mold of what would be a Sammy Watkins type player. Brett Veach has been talking about him a lot in the offseason. I'm going out on a limb, I think a little bit, and I, but, but I agree with you. And, and maybe it's not too much of a limb because that's the name that I was going to say. And so I think Byron Pringle is your answer there. Time will tell on this, yeah. As, yeah. as you'll see. We'll see how ready Cornell Powell is. Sometimes rookies show up to camp, and even though they're taken in the fifth round, uh, they stand out. Another dark horse candidate there that probably won't get talked about uh, too much is Noah Gray. And yeah. he has this affinity for two tight end sets. And if none of these receivers stand out, who knows? Maybe you get that old New England-style type of offensive plays in there with the two tight ends. Uh, okay, so let's move back to the the defense. And I think something on the mind of all Chiefs fans, and the Chiefs went and took a linebacker first in a draft. So it's the linebacker position. 
Can Willie Gay Jr. push for real time in 2021? My answer here is that he has to. Damian Wilson yeah. is no longer with the team. I know that Willie Gay is coming off that meniscus injury, which was Super Bowl week, but he is expected to be ready by training camp. And you have a, an opening next to Anthony Hitchens, especially in these sub packages. And Willie Gay, initially you thought that he would be this coverage style linebacker. And it seemed like last year he was learning the Sam position. It seems like, and we talked about this with Sean Barber on the special podcast that we did. There are different style linebacker positions. Steve Spagnuolo has that Joker style linebacker position where different guys can fill into to different roles. I think it has to be Hitchens and, and, Willie Gay, I know that fans are hoping for that because they have seen enough, again, consensus of fans have seen enough of Ben Neiman. And so they really want this Hitchens-Gay uh, to be your your linebackers in the sub packages. And so I, I think it has to be Gay. And And what you're doing with Bolton is you're preparing him to be the next Hitchens. So in right. 2022, you move on from Hitchens. I believe it's like eight million that you save, and your two linebackers that your go-to guys are are would be Gay and, and Bolton. And so I really think it's a developmental year for for Bolton, just like we saw with Gay last year. And those are your linebackers of the future. And this year it has to be Hitchens and Gay. I I completely agree. They don't have a lot of choices here. You know, uh, right? The, the, everybody wants to talk about. You know the corner. They need cornerbacks, and they need this, and they need an edge rusher to be a opposite Frank Clark. But the linebacker, the linebacking core, has been the main weak spot of the team for several years now. And one of your starters leaves. You know they allow him to walk. You got to replace that guy. You know you don't really have a lot of options there. They didn't have. Uh, a bunch of quality players in the pipeline at linebacker to step up. Uh, we saw what happened last year when Hitchens was hurt. We had, we had a couple of guys that hadn't really played since training camp um, in their playing form, and they did a good job. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say they were terrible, but they aren't the guys the Chiefs want playing back there. And so, to me, it was not a bit of a surprise that they took Michael Bolton, a guy who profiles very much like Hitchens, but is more athletic than Hitchens. And I think that a lot of Chiefs fans if, would say, if you gave me a more athletic, a more athletic Hitchens, a guy who's as smart as Hitchens to be that Mike line, linebacker, I'd be okay with that. So I'm kind of surprised that Chiefs fans are uh, were astounded that the Chiefs took Bolton. It yeah. made perfect sense to me. It was. It, it wound up to me, and I would agree with you there. And and hindsight is twenty twenty, and you almost felt a little bit silly after the fact that the top position that they took in the draft was linebacker. But it it still feels like the thinnest linebacker, or I'm sorry, the yeah. thinnest position on the team. Where yeah. it, it's like, all right, you can tell that they need to do something here. And so I look at it: Hitchens and Gay. You have Ben Neiman. We have Bolton, the rookie. There's Darius Harris. Dorian O'Daniel is still in this team. You talk about now or never, guys. This right. is it, right? This is, I mean, this has to be it. Emmanuel Smith, Amari Cobb, Correa is now in that mix if you consider him a linebacker, but we're looking at him as more as a, and then an, an outside guy, and then Riley Cole. So it is a wide open room. It is a, a deeper room. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there for one of these dark horse, undrafted free agents guys who've been on the team and have really not stood out on defense like O'Daniel uh, to take a step forward and get a role here uh, because th the Chiefs need that help. Right.
We're gonna stay with I you. agree with you. I agree with you. I think they really have no choice but to put Gay on the field this year uh, alongside right. and it's trial and, by fire in a sense. Right, and you know Spagnuolo doesn't like to put rookies in starting roles. He just no. doesn't. And the fact that that Gay got as much uh, time as he did was kind of surprising last year. But it re- it was a reflection of you know what they needed to do, it, 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 how thin they were at linebacker. So if Willie Gay isn't isn't starting this year then something's wrong. That's how I feel about it. So, I agree. I think you drafted that player last year because you needed him to perform this year. It seemed like the learning curve was a little steep for him, but now you've had a whole year. You've had an, we're going to have an off season where he should hopefully right. be re- rehabbed and healthy and right. yeah. see what happens. All right, let's get to our next question. Will the Chiefs add Bashad Breland or another veteran cornerback? John, you posed this question, so I'll have you start here. What do you think? Well, first of all, I feel bad for Breland. Uh, what is this, like four years in a row, he's been trying to get a big contract someplace. Right. And it just hasn't worked out for him. And, and you know, he keeps coming back to the Chiefs. So um, the Chiefs ought to be able to get him at a fairly inexpensive deal. He's shown he can play in this defense. Um, I think that in another year, they might have already re-signed him. Yeah. But I think the wild card is DeAndre Baker. I think that they think they can get a lot of production out of DeAndre Baker. Um, you know how we how Veach is about these former right. first round players that he's able to get uh, at a minimum cost later on. I think they see him as the guy. So Breland, yeah, may I, still be on the street and they pick him up later. But from, for now, I think they want to keep him off the team. I get little nuggets here and there. And my thinking, and from talking to people with the Chiefs, is they might have played Baker in the playoffs if not been for that injury in the trial week 17 game. I mean, you talk to Sam Madison, and I had asked Madison late in the season about Baker, and Baker to Madison's quote was performing well against some of the Chiefs' top receivers. Chiefs' top receivers are Tyreek Hill and Watkins and Kelsey. And I just, if you're performing well against them, I feel like you can perform well against any of these playoff right. teams and, and the receivers they offer. So I, I think he was going to be right there. I think they really like Baker on the outside. I know that they want to put LeJerry Sneed on the outside. They want Sneed Island to be a real thing. So I think the, the big thing that might be being missed here is the Chiefs are more on the hunt for a slot cornerback than maybe an outside cornerback. And Rashad Fenton, if they do kick Snead outside, would probably profile inside. But remember, uh, when Snead came back last year after that shoulder injury, Snead was on the inside. And I don't know how high they are in Fenton in that position. And you look at some of the names that are still out there. Richard Sherman, Steven Nelson. Sorry, Steven Nelson. I think you've burned that bridge. Darquise Denard, Nickelroby <laughs> Coleman. Again, Breland. Uh, you have DJ Hayden's out there. Hayden and Brian Poole profile to be those slot guys. So I think Hayden and Poole are more potential guys that could could be added because that's the grand disconnect right now. As people are, are suggesting Breland or maybe one of these other outside cornerback guys, I think the Chiefs are really after a slot guy because they want to put Snead on the outside. So that's the question. You missed mentioning a name, you know. Charvarius Ward. Well, Ward is another, I think guy they see as an outside guy. And so, yes, that just goes into what I'm saying is I think they feel like they have the outside quarterbacks with depth. I think maybe your starters outside 
is Baker and Snead. I know that seems crazy to say with Ward maybe providing a little depth. Maybe Ward is a guy that could push inside. I know Fenton has done that in the past. And then you have your three safety sets that the yeah. Chiefs seem to like. Sorensen is back in the mix. I don't know about outside help. But again, that that's what I would emphasize. I think they're looking for a slot cornerback, not so much an outside cornerback yeah. like Breland provides. Well, it, it's still all in some way or another hinges on what Baker can do. Right. You know, and really however, does. also too, I, if you can get Breland and there's an agreement for you know, a couple million dollars and Breland can't find a, a team elsewhere, who you, you never know. It, but it, yeah. it does seem like it's just these forever one-year deals and no doubt he has to be getting frustrated. He's not afraid to tweet out some frustrations as well and you've seen a little bit of that. All right. We've been counting down from, I think, some of the outside questions to bigger and bigger questions we have about this team. This is number one, and it's a fun question as opposed to a terrible question for fans right after the Super Bowl because now you have so much talent. Who starts along the offensive line? I'll go first, John, and then you could critique me. All right. I, all right, here we go. Left tackle, if it's not Orlando Brown, he's going to go on a, a reckless tear and and tear apart the organization. He'll come to our house. So I'm not going to project another left tackle there. You know that he wants to play <laughs> left tackle. He made that very abundantly clear. Joe Tooney is your left guard. I think Creed Humphrey as rookie wins the job at center. I like, oh God, right, right guard is tough. Right guard is tough. I think it's between Allegretti, Long, and Duvernay Tardif. Uh, it's hard to know without knowing what LDT and Long look like. And so I'm going to stay with Allegretti because hmm. the Chiefs trusted him enough to be that guy last year. I think, yes, he's a little bit of a dark horse guy. And I think to start the year, it's Mike Remmers with that lingering Niang. Niang is going to be lingering. Remmers has a bad game at right tackle. Get Pat gets hit a little too hard in week four. Week five could be Niang. So to start... Again, I'll go through it one more time. Brown, Tooney, Humphrey. I don't feel great about it, but I'm putting Allegretti there. And then Remmers to start the season. Where, do, where did I get it wrong? Where did I get it wrong? Well, that's pretty good. I, I agree with you uh, from the left in through the center. I think those those are the obvious choices at those positions. I think I think Humphrey will will displace Blythe, our previous guy that we thought would be the starter. He will become depth. He will be depth at, at all the interior line positions. He's played well at both guard and tackle, uh, or guard and center. So he he will be uh, one of the backups there. I think he'll make the team have a roster spot. I agree that right guard is the place where people struggle the most. I, I think a lot of people think that uh, Kyle Long is going to come in and be the starter, and I don't. I really don't. I mean, he was an all-pro player uh, on the interior, but that's starting to be a lot of years ago, and he's had a lot of injuries since then. Uh, you know, after a year that he retired, yeah, he could have decided six weeks after retiring, yeah, I want to come back. You know, I want to work out and get shredded and ready to go. Okay, great. Yeah. But that's not the same as opting out of the season, expecting to come back next year, which is what Dr. Larry did. And I have said all along, I've said it in print twice now, that I like Dr. Larry's chances of coming back, being ready to play better than I like Kyle Long's. 
Well, that's not to say that it couldn't happen. It could. In in the winter last year, he was posting pictures from Montreal working out outside in the snow with yeah on his winter gear. Yeah, 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 (laughs) on the roof of an apartment building lifting weights. (laughs) So, and and this is what I mean when I I say the Chiefs went from having a bad problem to a good problem. Right. You look at the rest of this team, and got the roster pulled up right now. Martinez Rankins in the mix. Yazir Durant. Daryl Williams, who we like as far as personality goes. Andrew Wiley. And I know, I don't think he's a favorite to start anymore, but that's a good reserve guy who's mm. played multiple interior positions for you and can be there ready to go in a pinch if if need be. Uh, you also have Prince Tega Winogo, who is another, I think, dark horse player. And then Trey Smith. Trey Smith, you don't know anything really about how ready is he going to be if he's healthy, if you got the blood clot stuff worked out, you got him in the sixth round, the Chiefs would feel really good about him. Does feel more like a 2022 guard position guy, but man, think about all those names. It go, it ba- yeah. From a bad problem to a good problem, right. and I've said this before too, the Chiefs went from having no answers at offensive line to really their backup offensive line. So if you take five of the starters and let's put five different guys, it's still going to be a pretty good offensive line. Kudos to Brett Veach and the personnel staff, because I think you could win games with the backup five, especially considering Patrick Mahomes is who Patrick Mahomes is. And so incredible to, to say that after what was the Super Bowl, where it was just the clear problem and why they were blown out in front of uh, in national international audiences. Well, to me, Trey Smith is the, is the wild card. Because if he really is uh, over this blood clot issue, and the Chiefs seem to believe that he is, they feel confident that he's got his medical issues under control. They've had extensive conversations with their doctor, their team doctor, and with uh, his representatives and medical people. And they are convinced that this is a guy that they don't have to worry about his medical issues. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Veach said that the Chiefs are conservative about this that they aren't willing to put a player who's going to have a physical threat on the field. So if they're willing to take Trey Smith, even in the sixth round, uh, they have to feel that he can go out there and play. And I think this is the wild card at right guard. And the question is, to me, whether the Chiefs would be willing to put two rookies out there at center and right guard. Uh, that is the thing that that I feel that he could end up taking both Dr. Larry and Kyle Long's uh, position away from them. Uh, that to me is the thing that, that is most interesting. I agree with you. I think Rammers will start the season, but I also think Rammers will miss a couple of games with a lingering back injury or something. And we'll see Niang out there. And next year that's, will be his position. I, I also think for future seasons, this is going to be important for, the chiefs to have a couple of preseason games and to showcase yeah. some of these guys, yeah. because you're not going to want to cut some of these guys. You're going to want to try to sh- trade them for either an asset. Like you saw the chiefs do when they traded Hyde for Rankin, but now it'd be opposite or a draft pick of some sort where well, you mentioned Allegretti is a potential starter at, at right guard. That's a guy they could trade to somebody. Yeah. You know, he started last year. You know, he's got some value to a team that is that is not as well endowed with offensive linemen as the Chiefs are. Right. You might make that same argument with Wiley. You might say, well, he's not worth much. Yeah, but he's worth something. They could they could trade him for somebody, maybe somebody who could be a, 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 in the rotation on the defensive end or something. 
I feel a little bit bad for Wiley as I'm looking at this offensive line room because he he's done a bang up job for the Chiefs over the past few years. He's got a great personality. I think his Twitter handle says my Madden rating does not define me. And <laughs> he he's filled in and I just can't see an angle to him having a starting role. I think he can have a reserve role, but I think his days, at least as a starter, unless there's an injury of some sort, are, are over. Uh, but yeah, that's your offensive line, and, and it's a, a good problem to have. The Chiefs are just loading with competition. You have competition in the offensive line room, the tight end room, the running back room, and the wide receiver room, and it'll be a really tough 53-man projection for me to make, and then a 53-man cut for the Chiefs to make when they have to do that at the end of training camp. That is your five questions as we think about the beginning of the 2021 season. When we come back, we will preview the schedule release. It's coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, wrapping up with a schedule release preview. The schedule release, John, is Wednesday. It's tomorrow. This has been really an interesting, I think, off-season calendar thing because it's never defined. And sometimes it really just sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, the NFL two days earlier is like, oh, guess what? You're not going to believe this. The schedule is done. We're going to release it at this time. <laughs> and then we're scrambling. But for the first time, I think in a long time, we've had two weeks. I think they were previewing this during the NFL draft where they said it was going to be on May 12th. We'll have you covered at arrowheadpride.com when it's released. We'll, I believe, be doing an emergency podcast on the podcast channel here as we talk about the different dates, some hot dates for the Chiefs. Here are their home opponents. The AFC West, the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders. The Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are that 17th game. And let me be clear here. Not the 17th game of the season. We've had a lot of write-ins. <laughs> we don't know what the 17th game of the season. That's the part of the schedule release. So uh, you, you put up the Mahomes-Rodgers matchup, which we don't even know anymore, right? Let's right, right. But you put up the Mahomes-Rodgers matchup, and I always see, yeah, really going to love Henny versus Love. No, it's not the 17th game of the season. <laughs> Come on. The away teams are the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders, AFC West. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, and the Washington football team. So it's a nice little schedule. I think there's some good matchups there. It's a tough schedule. I think that there are going to be some tough yeah. matchups in there. Let's try to name the primetime games. I'm going to assume the Chiefs get seven of these. You're now eligible to be in seven primetime games because of the extra game. So I believe the Chiefs will indeed have seven. John, I'll turn to you first. Is there teams that jump out? Let, seven might be too much. Let's name the top three teams that you think will be primetime teams for the Chiefs. Who do you think they'll play in primetime? Well, got to be the Bills and the Browns. I think so, you too. Got, you, yeah, those are, those are our playoff uh, rematches. I think there are, I think I saw there were eight playoff rematches in the, uh, in the whole schedule, and the Chiefs have two of them. Yeah, I think that there's no question that those two are going to be among the primetime games that the Chiefs will have. Um, I think the Packers, although, wow. Peter King such a, that's of such a NBC mess. Sports noted in his weekly column, which is fantastic, always has nuggets about every team, but he's interested in seeing how the schedule plays out for the Packers because where it would have been before, likely the seven primetime matchups the Chiefs are, are to have. I don't know about that for the Packers anymore, considering it really just does not seem like Aaron Rodgers is returning to the club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. On the road games, um, the Ravens. The Ravens will be a good matchup. Ravens seem obvious to me. I I think 
the Eagles are always intriguing with the Andy Reid connection. I know it's been a sure. while now, but that still to me feels like the Andy Reid Bowl. I think in division, you have two matchups here that are eligible. The Chargers. The Chargers are an yeah. up and coming team who really got better this offseason when yeah. it comes to weapons and protecting Justin Herbert. And I think Herbert Mahomes is going to be appointment. NFL television. I, I know yeah. everybody in Kansas City watches that game. Everybody in Kansas City watches every game. We've seen the ratings. I'm talking about after this year, Herbert and Mahomes are going to put on two gems. And now people will be waiting for that game each and every year. Those two games, I should say, each and every year. And so I wonder if, if the NFL gets ahead of it and puts one of them as the primetime game. Of all the teams yeah. in the division, when you look at the quarterback matchups, that's clearly the best one. So I think that's the most likely in-division primetime matchup. I think the Chiefs and, and Cowboys is really interesting. Dak Prescott yeah. versus Patrick Mahomes. I even yeah. think Chiefs-Bengals. Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. Yeah. So as we name, you can kind of see the primetime games. I also think the Chiefs are in this place in the progression of their franchise because of Mahomes and the team that they're building that they're also going to get a lot of these special unofficial primetime games where you have that 325 start but the other game is is not so special and so everybody's watching the Chiefs game in that late slot for CBS or Fox who protected yeah. the game and so I don't think there's going to be a lot of noon starts for us John as much as we love them as much as we love those special news starts where we can get done at, by like 6 or 7 p.m. and enjoy the evening, I, I think it's going to be a lot of late night working for me and you, my friend. So get, get rested yeah. now. Get, go back. No wonder you're in hibernation. Get back yeah. in hibernation. <laughs> of yeah. all the matches. That's one thing that sucks about the Chiefs for us <laughs> is, is that there's so many late night games. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. I'd, I'd much rather this I'd much rather have this than the alternative. I remember so, when I first started covering the beat, I've been doing it since, since 14. I mean, we had, I think, 11 or 12 noon games. It was yeah. just noon game after noon game. What, what a change over the past couple years for the Chiefs franchise and what they've become at that. Going to three straight AFC title games, winning two of them, winning a Super Bowl will certainly change that. Which matchup are you most anticipating this year? Um, I think that, uh, I think both the bills and the Browns games will be very interesting. I really do. And I, and, and if Rogers is still playing for the Packers, I think that'll be very interesting. Um, but you know, you make a really good point about the chargers. Uh, that's a young quarterback. That's going to be very good. I think for a long time. And I think we could see the beginning of a, a long-term rivalry, kind of like, uh, the, the Manning Brady, rivalry was for so long between the Patriots and the Colts. I'm looking forward to the two Chargers games. I thought the Bengals were on the come up last year before Joe Burrow got hurt. I would love to see a, a Burrow-Mahomes matchup. That's a dark horse matchup for me. Selfishly, John, the whole family's coming for whenever the Giants come into town. And so I'll oh, be looking forward really? to whenever, whenever oh, that nice. matchup is. Yeah, they're, they're, anticipating, nice. they're anticipating that matchup. We're, we're going to have them in Chiefs gear. Everyone relax. And so that, <laughs> that'll, be a, that'll be a fun matchup for me as well. A, a yeah. friend of mine has a lot of family in New York, and they do the same thing when the yeah. Giants and the Chiefs are playing. They either so go out there or they, the New York. Mom is, here, mom's so. looking forward to coming to Kansas City. But as far as the football goes... Give me Chiefs and Bengals. I know that's a, an odd choice, but I really like the Burrow moment. Yeah, you've got a good matchup. point there. Yeah, I mean, those, that, that could be another matchup that becomes a, a thing for quite a while. 
All right. Well, we went through the news. We went through our questions. We went through the schedule release. That makes for a great Arrowhead Pride editor show. We will be having a reactionary podcast to the schedule release, we think. We don't know who's going to be on it. It's going to be a cast of characters that is available when the schedule comes out tomorrow and we're done working on the website. So uh, we'll have a nice recap for you. No editor show Thursday because the rapid reaction to the schedule will stand in place of that. But we are going to, I believe, be having two editor shows a week starting next week as we continue to build this new podcast network for you guys. The Mailbag Show, the Out of Structure Show with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner will be coming at you on Wednesday morning. So you'll have the Wednesday morning mailbag. Get your questions in at Arrowhead Pride Twitter. They'll take care of that. And then late night slash Thursday, you'll have your schedule release reaction show that makes for uh, your podcast. And then we'll lead into our, our friends, as all broadcasters say, across the pond on Saturday with the Great British Chief Show. So plenty of good content coming at you here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.